morning, church. I'm so excited that you joined us for this worship experience. I want to first of all say hello to All Nations San Bernardino, All Nations Las Vegas, and all of our E-Tribe family out there that's viewing us from all over the world. We're so excited that you've tuned in to this worship experience, and uh, we're grateful that you've been journeying with us over these weeks since we've been in this COVID-19 season, Miss Rona, whatever you call it, um, we're super excited that you've been rocking with us and we've enjoyed the feedback we've experienced from you. Listen, we're excited about serving you today. And as you see, I'm not in our usual setting today. Uh, we're doing something a little different because I was really interrupted this past Saturday by really the Spirit of God begin to speak some really clear words to me concerning um, things that he wanted us to be really in place for and to grab a hold of as we're preparing to transition out of this season. It's not going to be forever. Um, there's going to be a time where we're going to come out and be able to open back up the world. Okay, we're going to open it back up. And when it's open back up, I believe there's some things that we have to have in place in our hearts and in our actions to make sure that we're living life at the rate and the level God's designed for us to live. So we're starting a brand new series today entitled Tables and Chairs, Tables and Chairs. So I want you to get your Bibles really quickly, and I want you to go to Luke, the 15th chapter and the first verse, Luke chapter 15 and verse one. If you're ready, I want you to type in the comments right there at your home, I'm ready. Just type that in right now as we get ready to jump into the word. This is what the Bible says in Luke 15 and one. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I want to minister a message to you today, starting off this great series entitled Forbidden Tables, Forbidden Tables. Listen to me. There is a need for us to recognize that all of us have been seated at different tables. This really helps to uh, frame for us the spaces and the places that we are called to. Tables and chairs represent the spaces and place, places that God has opened up for us to live out the life that we have been ordained to live. It matters how we manage our tables and chairs. And here in our text today, we see a powerful story about Jesus being seated at a table. But not him just being seated at a table. It begins to talk to us about those that he was interacting with at the table. One of the things that we see here is that there are three sets of groups or three groups of people that we see in our text today. We see number one, the tax collectors, number two, the sinners, and number three, the Pharisees. Again, number one, the tax collectors, number two, the sinners, and number three, the Pharisees. Well, well let's start with the Pharisees. Very interesting group of people. Uh, if you really understand that these folks were... Uh, the individuals who were the religious leaders of the day. And in order for us to understand the significance of Jesus eating with these sinners, we have to first of all understand who the Pharisees were and how they operated. Uh, the Pharisees were one of the Jewish parties that ruled Israel during the time of Christ. Although the Pharisees accepted the written word, i.e. the Old Testament, you understand that, um, that, that it was inspired by God, um, but they felt like they had equal authority to their own oral traditions. Grab this. 
the word of God was seen by the Pharisees as being viable, being true, but they also felt like their oral traditions had the same level of power. It was known as, look at this, the tradition of the elders, okay? If you're going to take notes right now, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, here it is. I want you to write these scriptures down, Mark chapter 7 and verse 3 and Galatians 1 and 14, okay? If you really grab a hold of it, here it is. The, the Pharisees were the religious people of the day. When you think religious, I don't want you to think um, commitment to God. I don't want you to think relationship with God. When you think religious, I want you to think man-made rules and traditions, okay? The religious sector or the religious people of that day desired to keep to their traditions, even oral traditions, not things that necessarily God was commanded for them to do in their word, but stuff they made up. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation before where you've been around people who have been either in the church for a long time or in some kind of religious sector for a long time, and you look at him and you're like, you made that up. Like, really? Like that, that, that's not at all in the word of God. And when you think religiosity, I really want you to think about the making up of stuff and being holding people to these things that have been made up that God is not holding us to himself. Listen, not all tradition is bad. Some traditions that we have are really born out of the scriptures. Some traditions that we find are things that God has really ordained for us to operate in. But then there are things that have simply been made up. The Pharisees were a group of individuals who were fighting for the made-up stuff. I really want you to get that. We have to be careful in our lives as believers to not find ourselves in a category that we rather be more connected to the things that we have made up in the ideas that we have made up rather than the stuff that God has called for us to walk out. I grew up in a church called the Church of God in Christ, and I love the Church of God in Christ. Uh, you can't be born, you can't, you, you can't just join it. Here it is. Get it together, Sherman. It's been a while. You have to be born in it, right? This is the Church of God in Christ. Listen to me. I love the Church of God in Christ. And I learned a lot of stuff, but there are some things that we did in the Church of God in Christ that weren't necessarily bad, but they ne weren't necessarily mandated by God. What do you mean? Well, for Sundays, most of the women were white, okay? Nothing bad about that. Beautiful. When you look in the congregation and you see all of these amazing women sitting in white, it's just a gorgeous sight to see. The problem comes in that if somebody walks in in red, and then people get mad because they walked in in red. Now we have a problem. Wear your white, but let me wear my red. <laughs> wear your white, but let me wear my yellow. Don't get frustrated with me because I'm not holding to your traditions that you have created. See, we do still have modern-day Pharisees. And modern-day Pharisees today make a decision that we're going to put people out because they're not falling in line with what we want them to fall in line with. We're going to reject you, and we're going to talk about you, and we're going to, we're going to uh, really get into a place where we pull you down and gossip about you because of the fact that you are not living according to what we want you to live to. This is the first group we see in our text that we're going to evaluate is the Pharisees. Listen, I want you to type this in the comments. Don't be one of them. Just type that in right now. 
don't be one of them, right? For, for us to be able to move forward in the spaces that God has called for us to be, we've got to align ourselves with the word of God, and the word of God must be the rod that we measure our lives by. We understand that. The word of God must be the rod, the only rod by which we measure our lives. We're not measuring our lives by anybody else, anyone else's activities, anyone else's ways of thinking, but we're going to make sure our life is measured by the word of God. So we got the Pharisees in there. We got the religious folks that are operating, but then we have a second group called the tax collectors. The tax collectors. Now, I don't want you to think IRS because these folks were actually a little different. Some of you right now, like, I hate IRS. And, and no, no, we love everybody, even the IRS agents. And, and, uh, but one of the things that I want you to grab a hold of this, you understand that sociologists assign people under different classes. You understand upper class, middle class, lower class. And in some nations, the middle class is relatively large. Even in our nation, America, the, the, the middle class is relatively large. But in Palestine, in the time of Jesus, we know the middle class was actually rather small. It was made up of professional people, such as shopkeepers, tradesmen, uh, fishermen, and educated people, such as the Pharisees and the scribes. Um, Jesus, being a carpenter, most likely belonged in the middle class. But there's an even smaller class uh, of people, and it was the upper class. This included the very wealthy, such as aristocratic families, um, such as the high priests, and rich people of great nobility were known as those individuals who would have been considered the upper class. But the majority, the majority of the people in Palestine at this particular time belonged to the lower class. They were known as the poor. All sorts of people belong to this class. You got orphans in this group. You got widows in this group. You have the blind in this group. And remember this. You, you remember that when Jesus gave the word, he said, hey, we've got to understand if you really want to know what true religion the Bible looks like, what the Bible says about true religion, that is connected to us being able to take care of the orphans and the widows. Jesus always had a heart for those that were poor, not just those that were poor naturally, but even those who were poor spiritually. Jesus had a heart for them. So this included the orphans, the widows, the blind, the crippled, and even the mentally ill. Having no other means of livelihood, grab a hold of this, people with physical and mental handicaps became beggars. They belonged to a class. They belonged in this class, and this class has really considered them as being outcasts. One that can, can be an outcast without necessarily being poor economically, meaning that if you had a handicap, it wasn't that you had to be poor in order to be the outcast, but just the fact that you had the handicap put you out on the outskirts. Uh, the tax collectors and the sinners were seen in this group as well. Tax collectors were Jews who collected taxes from the Jews for the Roman Empire. They made their living by charging, look at this, an extra amount towards the people. Some of them made more than a living. They, they actually started to actually add on money beyond what they needed in for order to have the lifestyle they lived. They, the exact, um, they exact any amount that they could and thus became well-to-do. So whatever amount they desired to be able to charge is the amount they charged, and listen, the money moved for them. 
They were considered traitors. I'm going somewhere with this. Pay attention. They were considered traitors who became wealthy by collaborating with the Roman authorities. If you understand what was going on in that particular time, the Roman authorities were not the friends of the Jews. The Roman authorities were not people that the Jewish people enjoyed. As a matter of fact, the Jews were hoping that this Messiah that was spoken of would actually come and overthrow the Roman Empire. The Jews were not excited at any level about the Romans. So now when the tax collectors end up partnering with those that the Jews were against or did not like at all, then the tax collectors were thrown in the same group of the Romans. Therefore, they were considered traitors. These were individuals that Jesus was sitting at the table with. Jesus was sitting at the table with traitors. He was sitting at the table with people who had taken advantage of the people he was so-called the king of. So now you're getting the picture that why the Pharisees or the religious sects of that day got so frustrated because they're like, you're sitting with the people who are rejecting your own people? Jesus was the type of person that did not mind crossing barriers and lines. If you're going to properly navigate through the spaces and the places God has called you to, you have to follow the example of Jesus and say, I'm going to sit at tables with people that those that are like me would say I shouldn't sit at the table with. Have you ever gotten an attitude about a certain section of people or about a person just because your family didn't like it? Some of you are out there saying no, and you're lying. Uh, some of us, you know, if somebody had a problem, when I grew up, I grew up in Los Angeles, first of all. I grew up in the Crenshaw District, okay? I grew up near Crenshaw, and in the area that I grew up, in the schools I attended, okay, one of the schools I attended was Susan Miller Dorsey Preparatory High School, also known as Dorsey. I attended Dorsey High School. It was not known for its excellent education. It was actually known for its violence and its danger. And at Dorsey High School, when I went to school, if, you're, if somebody had a problem with your friend, they had a problem with you, okay? And, and sometimes we didn't even know why our friends didn't like that individual or why people didn't like our friends. But if you had a problem with our friends, then we have a problem, right? A lot of us live our lives like that. We don't really, uh, can't really pinpoint that we had an interaction with a certain group of people that was negative or that was a horrible interaction, but just because everybody else like us has a problem with those individuals, then it became my problem. I want you to realize that if you're going to navigate the spaces and places God has called you to, the tables and the chairs God's ordained you to be, you can't make other people's problem your problem when it's not a problem. A lot of times we don't even know the reason behind the hatred, the reason behind the anger. Don't get me wrong. There is stuff that is happening in America right now that you need to be furious about. Don't get me wrong. We have an, we have an amazing, uh, a, a horrible, a horrific prison pipeline where it makes no sense how many African-American men are in prison right now in America. When you begin to look at the statistics of how many of us are in America and then how many of us are in America in prison, it's a problem. It should infuriate you. You should wake up and want to do something about it. But that doesn't mean that you should now 
take all white people because we assume that that's the people that put them there. Okay? We've got to get to a place now that we are willing to be able to cross barriers and boundaries. Some of us are struggling with places of racism. We're, we're struggling with places of bigotry. And we've got to let that go so that we can take the proper seats at the table. If you're able to really get the heart of Jesus and be seated with people that other people have hated that you actually know, something powerful is going to happen as you cross those barriers. You're going to open them up to the possibility of the kingdom of God. What's going to grab these people is not more separation. Please hear me today, church. What's going to connect with the people is more love. And the invitation to the table and the chair with you is an expression of love. This is what Jesus was doing. I love it. So I want, I want you to get this. This is what the tax collectors were. There's another group, though, in our, in our story today, in our text, and it's the sinners. It's the sinners. And I know some of you are like, oh, I understand. I understand sinner. I used to be a sinner. I, I understand. I used to sin real bad. You know what I mean? And, I, you know, I surely understand sin without a doubt. You know, I've been in church all my life. But I haven't been saved all my life. As a matter of fact, some of my best sinning I learned right in the church. My God today. Amen. Some of my best stuff I learned right there in the house of God. And so I understand sin, and we understand sin, but this sin was a little different. These sinners um, were grouped with the tax collectors, but they weren't just ordinary sinners. Okay? Uh, these, what, what really infuriated the Pharisees about this is that these are the people who really weren't considered to be able to have access to the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God because these sinners of us were of a special class. These sinners were people who deliberately and persistently transgressed the requirements of the law in that time. This included people who were money lenders who charged interest on loans. They charged interest on loans that was advanced to fellow Jews. This was a clear violation of the law, even in Leviticus 25. Go and read it for yourself. Also, in the group of sinners, you might find prostitutes who made their living by getting some. I mean, praise God. All right. So, so they, they made their living by doing what they did. No shade to anybody. Glory. Don't send me any emails. Um, these individuals who sold themselves and their lives to a, were considered a deliberate disregard of the law of God. These sinners were considered people that you should never be connected with because many of them were considered ceremonially unclean. They were considered individuals who we should never cross the barrier and be seated with. But interesting enough, Jesus sat at the table with tax collectors and sinners. Um, there's a thought process out there today, still, even in 2020, that makes us feel like sinners shouldn't be at the table with us. Uh, makes us feel almost like sinners have the cooties, like sinners have something that they're going to pass over to us. We're afraid that some spirit that somebody has is going to jump on us or something that somebody is dealing with is going to grab us. And it's this idea of stay away from the sinners. And then we, 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 we ruin the Bible. We, we just ruin the Bible by, by going through and taking scriptures that out of context and twisting them all kinds of ways and 
making sure that we you can't be unequally yoked. And it's all of these things that we're talking about. And really, when you even understand the Bible talking about being unequally yoked, it wasn't even talking about human relationships. The scriptures was actually talking about the relationship between man and God. Particularly, it was talking about when it says, how can two walk together unless they agree specifically? Let me correct myself and adjust myself. That's one of the scriptures that we throw around. How can two walk together unless they agree? God was not talking about in that instance about anything having to do with human relationship. But in that instance, he was talking about how can man and God walk together lest they agree? You've got to open your heart and be willing to sit at the table, even with those who others would say we should not be seen at the table with. If you never sit at the table, if you never sit in chairs with sinners, question for you, how will they ever be introduced to the kingdom again? Are we hoping that they watch TBN? <laughs> Is our hope that they just scroll across the word network and they find Daystar? That they just go on Facebook and happen to scroll through one of our millions of churches that are going live right now? Is that how we're hoping that they're going to be one? Are we understanding that it's when the believer sits at the right table and is willing to pull out the chair and say, have a seat, that something begins to shift in their lives? What I love about Luke chapter 15 and verse 1 is that the Bible says, that the tax collectors and the sinners draw, drew near to him to hear him. Please get this. They drew near to him to hear him. These, these folks, no matter where they were in life, understood that there was a particular kind of sound coming out of Jesus. And the sound that was coming out of Jesus attracted them to be able to want to hear what he had to say. What you've got to understand is that people will be drawn to you in this next season of your life because they still want to hear Jesus. Yeah, they're going to be drawn to you because people still want to hear Jesus. And Jesus is no longer walking the earth anymore, but Jesus is walking the earth. What? Yeah. How? We are the body of Christ. My God, we're the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus extended. And so people, when they're being drawn to you, you don't reject them because people are still drawing near to Jesus. Please get this. People are still drawing near to the Christ, near to the body of Christ because they want to hear him. <laughs> but when they get to the table and chairs, if they're rejected, then they end up missing the opportunity. They end up missing the message that God has set up for them to be able to receive in their lives. Because you've got to be willing to allow them to draw near. That means drawing near means that they have to come a little close. Because some of us don't mind them sitting at the table, but we're like, you got to sit over there at the edge of the table. You, you got you, you to gotta sit over there. I'm not going to let you come close to me. I, I'm not going to let you sit next to me. I'm not, I would not touch you. I mean, no. I'm, I'm not going to allow anything like that to happen. I won't allow you to draw near to me. But the message that God is releasing to you out of his word today is allow those who look nothing like you. Something's about to lift. Something's about to change. The world's going to open back up. And when the world opens back up, how will you respond? 
I know right now, everybody's going to be so excited just to get out. So we're all just going to want to just hug everybody and love everybody. But when all of that wears off, when, 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 when all of it wears up, off and you get back to whatever your normal was, are you going to be willing to pull people next to you and pull people close to you who don't look anything like you, live anything like you, think anything like you, and allow them to be seated near to you so they can hear Jesus? But if they're going to be seated near to you and they want to hear Jesus through you, you got to make sure you're releasing Jesus. God, I wish somebody would hear me today. Why did I confine myself to a terror? Listen to me. God wants to bring you to a place of making sure that as they draw near to the body of Christ, that the voice of Christ is being released. It would be horrible for people to really be drawn to Christ, but then to the body of Christ, to people that represent Christ, and then when they get there, it's not the sound of Christ. How many times have you been in church environments where you were around the body of Christ? You were around Christians, but Christ wasn't coming out? I remember Jesus had an instance like that. You remember Jesus was going, and he was telling them, hey, some stuff is going to happen. I'm going to leave you, and yada, yada, yada. And the disciple says, hey, um, no, I don't, that's not the plan. And Jesus says, you know what he says? Get thee behind me, Satan. What did Jesus do? He addressed the spirit behind the sound. This was a Christ follower who was releasing a sound that was coming from hell. So Jesus addressed the sound coming out of him and said, I will not have this kind of noise around me. You've got to align yourself with my heart and my mind. I said it is so. And whatever he says it is so, we've got to release it out of our hearts. i got to move. Time is running. Listen to me. Jesus allowed them to draw near to him to hear him. This is what verse 2 says. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained. My God. God, they complain. People will always have something to say whenever you're aligning yourself with the plan and the will of God. Here's what I found out. Not all of it is going to be positive. Not, not all of it is going to be a, a celebratory. I just, I, I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes I can be naive. And, and I just sometimes think, you know, surely if I'm doing the will of God, and I'm fulfilling the plan of God for my life, surely people are going to celebrate. Surely people are going to be excited about the fact that I'm living out what God called me to live out. What I found out, though, is that when people have been stuck in their religious ways, then they're not celebrating the kingdom. See, the spirit of religion never celebrates kingdom. The spirit of religion always wants to cause destruction to the kingdom because religion Killed Christ, so he thought, and still desires to kill the movement of Christ or the advancement of his kingdom in the earth. So when you start pushing forward and advancing the kingdom, people oftentimes complain. Okay, I, I just remember when we came into this COVID-19 season, our church goes out and reaching people, winning the loss, keeping our distance. Some of us winning the loss, casting out devils healing the sick, and I start getting emails about, literal hate mail, about how we're literally killing people and not helping people. 
I start getting messages from people who are Christians saying, what are you doing? You're going to hurt somebody. You're going to harm somebody. And I'm not telling you this story so you can uh, be all oh, poor Sherman and his poor church. No, no, no. We, we, we gangsters over here. We, we, we hold apostolic movement. We straight. But I'm telling you this story really quickly to help you understand the idea that even when you're following the mandate of God in the Great Commission, there will be voices out there that will always complain. And if you're moved by the complaints, you're going to end up being stuck like the religious people are. See, religious people will receive one revelation from God and make a moment a monument. I'm not against denominations. I, I, I'm a part of something that's really being built in a way that it seems like it's going to be something that is a, a, a new move of God in the earth, all, all nations worship assembly. So I'm not against denominations, but I think the key of why, uh, the point of why some denominations ended and are not really uh, moving forward is because they got that one revelation, parked and stayed there. But the Bible talks about the preceding word of God. Every word that proceeds, man shall not live by bread alone, but the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. You have to keep moving with the preceding word. Revelation has layers to it. Revelation has layers to it, and you can't be in a place where you get stuck at one layer of revelation. I believe a bunch of us are going to get to heaven thinking that we know, and God was going to tell us, you was wrong, you was wrong, and you was wrong. <laughs> Like, none of y'all had it right. Like, we don't all have it figured out. And so because of that, we cannot push people out, and we cannot be moved to a place where we start complaining about others. Don't let the complaints and the noise around you stop you from fulfilling the mandate of God. They complain, saying this. Look at this. Almost done. This man receives sinners. Look at this language, please. They're saying, this man is accepting people he should not accept. I want to tell you something. Time for the real believers to rise up and accept those who have been unaccepted. Uh, it's time for the real believers to rise up and say, I'll accept you with all of your flaws, all of your mess-ups, all of the things that you have done wrong. Why do I accept you? It's because he accepts you, right? Please, I know you've been walking with God for some time, but please don't get it twisted. Don't get it messed up, man. You are still jacked up. We say something at All Nations San Bernardino almost every week. We say we are all we are all jacked up. Like all of us have a problem. All of us have some issues. All of us have something that's work they're working through. Even the guy at the computer with the amazing All Nations flash that's available at allnationssbd.com. I think it's so important that you realize that God has ordained for you to receive and accept those who would normally not be accepted. Our churches, when we come back to worshiping together, please don't go back the same way you were. Please don't go back. Would you create a new normal? Would you create a new normal where your, where your, where your seats are filled with people that other people would say shouldn't be there? 
Come on, let's let's welcome the homosexual community. Come on, let's welcome them. Let's welcome let's welcome the transgender community. Let's let's welcome those. Let's welcome them to our tables. Let's let's welcome them to our seats. And let's say, hey, I'm not any better than you. I'm not any greater than you because I've maybe been walking with God a while. Because I may be uh, those that are in a heterosexual relationship. I'm not any better than you. We are all in the same boat. We all need Jesus. No matter how long we've been with them, would you please give them an invitation? to the table. Can you, can you give them a seat at the table and receive them? They said, this man receives sinners. It wasn't the point that Jesus just received them because I believe that if Jesus outright had preached to them, the Pharisees, I believe, would not have been bothered. The problem was that Jesus was not seen preaching to them. He was not seeing um, even healing them. He wasn't seeing casting out their devils. He wasn't seeing doing anything that would be accepted. But what did we find Jesus doing? The Bible says this man receives sinners. And look at this next part. I'm so excited. Here it is. And he eats with them. I'm done. He eats with them. See, all of us are out there, and we're casting our rod, trying to catch the fish. We're trying to catch the fish. And so we appreciate your tracks, trying to catch the fish. Appreciate your, you're yelling and screaming on corners, going, you're going to go to hell, trying to catch fish. Wrong way. Stop it, please. We're trying to create all our shows and, and all of the things and activities that we have created, trying to catch the fish, trying to get the fish. But what if you stop doing everything you've always known and do this? Simply eat with them. Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to do everything that everybody else is doing. I just want to eat with you. I just want to give you an invitation to the table with me. And then I'm going to allow the expression of my heart and my love be felt with tables and chairs. God, I'm going to love this series. I, 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 I got I to gotta allow you to feel the love because the place of my comfort when I am my best, when I am, when I am, when I am, uh, uh, I've taken all of my, my, my hair down and, I, and I'm in my comfortable space and I'm, I'm, I, and I'm just calm and I'm, and I'm collective. I'm not putting on. I'm going to invite you into my personal space. I'm going to invite you to the place of comfortability. Now, y'all know what it's like to eat a good meal at a table. A meal will oftentimes cut, take down all of the walls and all of the things that people have up. Offer them a meal. One of the reasons why my mom is so loved around our church is not just because she is my mom, but because my mom has really grabbed a hold of the understanding of giving someone a meal. Okay? She speaks to the stomachs of my congregation. And because she speaks to the stomach of my congregation, they love her. That's why she gets to say the crazy things that she says, and nobody cares. And, and, and the reason why is because she has invited them to the table. Something powerful about inviting someone to the table and eating with them. Jesus said this. Listen, he, gets, he, he understood this, rather. I just need to fellowship with him. If I just open up the door of fellowship, something's going to happen where the door is going to be open to their hearts and they're going to get the opportunity to really understand the kingdom that I represent and the kingdom that I hold. I've got to go. But in these fleeting moments we have together, I want you 
to go to Luke chapter 18. And I'm not going to read all of it, but I do want you to understand something in there. In Luke 18, we see a parable, a story, and we see the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Bible says something. I, I guess maybe I'll read a little bit of it. Here it is. Luke 18.10 says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other tax collector. Verse 11 says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, tax collector standing afar off, would not as much raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast. Sorry is the audio that happened. Sorry. Beat his breast, <laughs> saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this is what the scripture says. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Did you catch that? The tax collector was justified, but the Pharisee wasn't. What was it? Let's look right here in scripture. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. What better way to end this message? God is saying to you, humble yourself. Get off your high horse and allow for people to sit at the table and in chairs with you that would normally not be accepted. We're about to go on a journey. We're going to go on a journey and we're going to sit at different tables. We're going to understand how God wants us to navigate the spaces and places we've been called to. But the first space that we want you to understand is the world as a whole that you live in. Allow for many to come and be received by you and allow the sound of Christ to be released out of you that will open the door for them to be led to the kingdom. I want to say a prayer with you today. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all of our friends that are watching us today. I thank you, Lord, that you're settling our hearts and putting us in the place where we trust you. We trust you to lead and guide us. We trust you to give us your eyes and your heart. That we would sit at the table with those that you've called for us to sit at the table with. That we would give invitations to those that you've called for us to give invitations. Let us be like you. Let us cross barriers. Let us cross boundaries. And let us welcome those that you've called for us to welcome to the table and sit down with them. Father, let us be exactly like you.